Amy, on this podcast, we try to always offer useful takeaways. And if you learn nothing else from us, learn this useful parenting lesson by Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 are the ultimate parent hack, the best diaper to use as soon as your baby starts standing or walking. Instead of ordinary diaper tabs, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your wild child. Pampers Cruisers 360 makes it so easy to change your baby. Who probably doesn't stop moving just because they need a diaper changed? Just slide on to apply and away they go. And fear not, parents. Pampers Cruisers 360 offers an up to 100% leak-free fit. And they just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we say more? For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupons, savings, and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. We should not be slogging as hard as we're slogging. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. Five o'clock is homework time. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. My instinct is always do the hard one first. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. How much homework did you have in high school per night? Not five hours. <laughs> Hey, everybody. Welcome to the What Fresh Hell podcast. This is Amy. This is Margaret. And today we're talking about the homework slog. The slog. That was your, that was your word choice, uh, I mean, what, Margaret. What else could you call it? The slog. <laughs> it's apt. We've already talked about homework on this show. We talked about um, whether or not children should have homework. And we came to the conclusion that no, they should not have homework. And then our children's teachers didn't agree with us. And well, so to now be, we're in the homework slog. To be to be exact, yeah, episode it was like episode four. It's episode four, everybody. Go back and listen. Do our kids have too much homework? Yes, is the as the title of the episode. So yeah. <laughs> So we are in agreement that in fact as we're slogging. But in this episode we're accepting our fate that the slog is on. And now right. we're just gonna talk about how do we handle the slog. Yes, and like a in like a geometry sense. We've already um that, that's a given. That's a given. Kids have too much homework. So now we have to find what to do about the homework. Although I will revisit a couple of points from episode four. For Please those do. of you who haven't memorized it, although you probably should have. <laughs> you don't have the text of it tattooed on your forearm as you should. Uh, one thing we talked about is a general rule that we arrived at and really liked that kids should have 10 minutes of homework, 10 minutes of homework per grade per night. So yeah. A first grader, 10 minutes. A second grader, 20 minutes. Yeah, and, th- and that's the National Education Association guidelines as well, by the oh, way. Oh, I thought so. we were just geniuses. No. Ourselves. That was something you looked up. All right, so fine. <laughs> we stole that's, it. That's the standard, like, what's good? Okay, fine. But but um, so let me think. That, that holds true for my fourth grader. It does not really hold true for my uh, seventh grader, and it certainly doesn't hold true for my ninth grader. More. Way more. Yeah, yeah. Way more. So one thing I talked about in episode four, and we are still doing with my fourth grader, and certainly with my second grader, although my second grader, he's pretty much 20 minutes and done. It's fine. Not that bad. Um, At the 40 minute mark, unless we are very, very, very close to finishing, I just write at exactly that point of the homework. This is as far as we were able to get with this in 40 minutes. That's really... back. 
That's really like a, I think for grade for younger grade schoolers, that's a great idea. You can't do that with your high school. No, Sorry, not exactly. This is as far as he got on his. This essay. is as far as he Love got his mommy. Um, there's this book called The Learning Habit, where they you know they studied how how kids do homework at home and how parents intervene or don't, and they suggested that that sort of homework is is sort of a non negotiable part of your day. It's what you do. It's not what you have to do in some, instead of something else fun. You have to do it like you have to eat. Um, but they but they suggested that, yes, you do that, that you that you have 40, your fourth grader has 40 minutes a day that he or she spends doing homework stuff. If they only have one worksheet, then they can read a book. They can do this. If they have 90 minutes of homework, they do 40 minutes. They get done whatever they can get done. I, you know, I, I come down a little bit on the other side of the well, they'll just learn next time. They're just going to come in without their homework done, and they'll take the consequences. I, I, I don't know if that's... Oh, I don't do it for that purpose, though. Right. My objective is not consequences. My objective is that I believe firmly that my eight-slash-nine-year-old should not be doing an hour and a half of homework a night. And so we do 40 minutes, and that's all we have time for. It's not about teaching my nine-year-old to be more organized. It's about saying... There are some limits to the amount of output a nine-year-old has in them per day. See, my issue with my nine-year-old is her uh, her penchant for the preamble. I, I like oh, to call it a preamble. Yeah. Like she is all preamble. There's if she has two worksheets to do. First, there's the wailing and gnashing of teeth that she has to do homework. Then right. there's the tearful monologue about how it's too hard for her the full operatic aria of despair right the full why must i <laughs> she, do this fourth grade homework she had science homework where where she had to basically like pull up any you know the weather app on my phone and say what the barometric pressure was and 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 but then write it as a little bit of a monologue because her her science teacher was going to have them get up and like put on blazers and silly wigs and like do anchorman weather reports for the whole class adorable right i get it that's really a great idea but for my daughter it turned into the yes the aria of like i'm not a weatherman (laughs) i don't know how to do this no no, we understand you're not a weatherman i'm nine years old i don't know what barometric pressure is and and so an, an assignment that should take 10 minutes takes 40 minutes just for that once you Put all that in. So my, one of my issues that I want to talk about this week is how you sort of get them past I have a that. Suggestion. What is it? So we have had much the same drama and trauma. Like introducing the idea of homework, it starts at square one every single night. So no matter how far into the school year you are, it's like homework? <laughs> like you're hearing it for the first time. What? This is the first time you've introduced the idea of the homework. <laughs> and so one thing that has definitely helped us is that homework happens at a set time. It is non-negotiable and it goes on for a certain period of time on a clock that stops when you pick up your Lego men and start fighting them against each other. Oh. And so <laughs> the idea that like homework happens at five o'clock at our house They come home, and I will say, and I I mean, I would have laughed at myself in a previous life. I have a whiteboard, and it's like you come home at 3 o'clock. You have an hour of free time. You can do screens, phones, YouTube. You can run around outside. You can go on your bike. You can do whatever you want for one hour of free time because I really believe with a fourth, second, and kindergartner, they need an hour 
to decompress. Well, heck, I mean, if it was you, right, this idea that you have to come home from uh, a day at work and then immediately sit down to do more of the stuff you were doing at work. No, that, we, wouldn't, no we wouldn't do that and ourselves. And I do have a lot of friends whose kids go at three o'clock to the library and do their homework from three to four and then the rest of the night is free. That seems incredibly appealing to me. But I know my fourth grader, it, it's just he, it, it would take him three hours to do a worksheet at three o'clock because his concentration is so poor at that time of day. Well, you've hit the nail on the head that it's different for each kid. And then it's also, you have to sort of revisit things because I was totally the play for a while and then we'll sit down and do homework. But now my seventh grader, his his stuff has ratcheted up enough that we've had to completely flip that this year. And like the Xbox cannot go on. The dog Nothing may not be laid stay. under the table with. Yes, like there's <laughs> there's no fun until you do the homework because he, you know, he's just sort of my merry traveler that will just sort of, you know, beep right. bop so his way through the universe. So the break, then it's 10 times the work. Yes. To it. Yes. Well, for us right now, whiteboard, three o'clock free time, four o'clock, we have a good solid snack. And then four o'clock is just no more screens. So it's still kind of also sometimes we have activities that throws things off, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes the decompression hours four to five, if they have a little after school activity. But five o'clock is homework. And so every day at five o'clock, look at the clock. You know it's coming. Five o'clock is go to your station and do your homework I, for 40 minutes. And it is over when it's done. My kids, when my kids were little, I mean like four and two, there used to be a noontime whistle. Mm-hmm. You know, like from a, I think it was like the local fire station would just, you know, ah. do this, blow this was whistle at noon. Walking, I was picturing you walking around with a whistle. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm like, where'd that you. whistle come from? <laughs> just like neighborhood whistle in a very Richard Scary, you know, busy town yeah, kind of way. Busy town. And I had my kids convinced that, that that was the lunchtime nap time whistle. And that, that when everybody heard that, everybody in busy town had lunch and took a nap. That's just how the world worked. And they nice. definitely believed that. And so for younger kids, the longer you can keep that sort of five o'clock is homework time because that's what the whole world's doing at five o'clock. I think that's a great approach and I should start yeah, it with it my fourth grader. it just helps cut down the aria beforehand because it's five o'clock is homework. You have 40 minutes of homework. If you start playing Legos in the middle of it. The, the one thing I do let, and I have a kid who has a lot, a lot, a lot of trouble concentrating. He can do the work, but it would take, things that I know it would take another kid 10 minutes to do might take him 40. He's just slow and distractible. <laughs> we had a, um, the transformer box that is on the pole outside of our house blew up the other day at about 5.30. <laughs> <laughs> I believe I believe that was the night before our latest episode was scheduled to be released and you were supposed oh, to be editing yes, it. But and I the transformer still got it done. And she still got Let it me done. Just say, I am money when it comes <laughs> to this podcast because our entire house was plunged into darkness and I still got the episode done. But um my son was up at his little desk that has a little window that looks right out at it. And I went up and I said at some point it had happened a few like half an hour before. He had a little lantern on his desk. He was working by lantern light. And I said, are you finished with your homework yet? And he just looked at me and he said, I'm just really busy watching the fire in the trees. <laughs> I was like, okay, this tonight, you have an excuse because the trees outside your window are on fire. <laughs> but it doesn't take a fire in the trees. Like he could also be really busy looking at one of his nails that is slightly longer than the other nail. I mean, whatever it is, it's fascinating when it's homework time. <laughs> right. Right. 
And so but I do find, so the one other thing that I do with him is that if he gets three, three sheets home, whatever, English sheet, math sheet, science sheet, then we set up a thing. And I used to do it with cookies. I'm not even going to lie, but we've moved on to toys. You do one sheet, you play for five minutes. You do one sheet, you play for five minutes. Like just keeping a ton of structure involved in it. It just cuts down a lot of the debate. And so if the toys come in, it's like, no, no, no. You do your sheet before you're allowed to do that. And I'm saying sheet, like your math sheet. (laughs) So you do your sheet before you do that. And I just find the more structure you have, the less you have to deal with the like, homework seems like a brand new concept I've never heard of before. There's a productivity concept called the Pomodoro method, which is exactly that. And I have, I actually have a thing on my computer, a little software that I use that it comes from that it's supposedly making a Pomodoro tomato sauce on the stove would take 25 minutes. So so you work for a block of 25 minutes and then a little bell rings and you can do whatever you want for five minutes and then back on and you measure your how much you got done that day and how many pomodoros you spent not, but you can't go on Facebook in the middle of one. You can't go to the bathroom in the middle of one or else, or else you don't get to count it. And, and it kind of works for me too. Well, and I just think there is a piece of this because you have kids who are doing real homework. Like my kids are still doing worksheets. We're like, Oh, we didn't get it done. Sorry. We had a birthday last night and we went to dinner instead, you know, that kind of stuff. And, but I do think the biggest piece of working with younger kids on their homework is starting to teach them some systems that make sense. And the idea of like, this is a regular time that you spend, you spend time doing it and then you take a break rather than trying to have to do it while taking a break the whole time. And if you can start to put those things in place, then kids sort of get into it, a habit of having better work habits. So KJ Delantonio has three cardinal rules of homework. We know KJ Delantonio she, in real life. Yeah, yeah. She's, Usually you just like spout out names. <laughs> exactly. Ooh, how should I, why should I trust She's very wise. Guy? I'm going to, she is wise. I'm going to meet these funny. out. I'm not going to hit smart. you with all of them at once. And she has a farm. And she has a farm. Yeah. Yeah. Homework on cool. a farm must be. Look her up. She has a new book coming out too about being a happy parent. <laughs> Which not the All right. Lots sounds of, nice. <laughs> lots of plugs for KJ. Okay. So what is she? So saying? I'm going to start with now. It better be really smart what she says. I'm going to start with her really second cardinal rule, and I'm going to I'm going to hit you with them one at a time. But she says, okay. "What kids learn from homework is rarely on the worksheet." And so yes. I think you're right that kid your your fourth grader is learning how to um, how to sit and do something they don't want to do for a structured amount of time. That's the point of homework more than. Um, answering that those crazy those common core questions like why is 10 more than seven explain I, I don't you hate those at the bottom of the worksheet I do but I will say my husband is a mathematician oh okay and I will shockingly right now speak in defense of the common core or some of the kind of new math stuff that drives us crazy he was explaining it to me because it's just one of those things where we are like, they're just doing this to make us crazy and to be insane. There could be no other reason why you would be like, draw an arrow between the 10,000s number and the 1,000s, whatever it is. And what he explained to me is what they're trying to do. Like my, my second grader is now doing 10 plus 12. It's like you have to break the numbers down and it's like, Seven plus 
nine. And it's like, you have to do seven plus, how many to 10? Seven plus three plus six to get to 16. And so you're breaking all the numbers. Yeah, down. I know. So, so much harder, but okay. It Explain this to me. Crazy. It seems crazy. It just seems like, and now stand on your head while you're doing your homework. Like it just seems so arbitrary. But David's explanation is that what they're trying to do is break down the more complicated concepts of mathematics that you get to later in your mathematical life into, they're trying to bring those concepts way down so that you start to understand numbers in a new way. So as the numbers start to get bigger, you have systems of figuring out numbers that make them less difficult to understand. God, I mean, I, I guess I agree with it in, in theory, but am I, am I... It made me feel better because I felt like, okay, this is not just arbitrary and sad. But it makes, it, it, it creates such anxiety in my nine-year-old who has to do all this sort of mental math. And as you said, all these handstands around seven plus nine, I'm like just what's seven plus nine? And she's, and she's like, I have to round up then I have to take away. And it, it just seems, I guess, I guess it is so that this all makes more sense when they're 14. But it's, uh, yes. but in the short term, it's pretty complicated. Knowing that there's a method to the madness makes it seem less because everyone I talk to feels like, Oh my God, they're just making, and English is the same. They're breaking everything down. Like you just swoop the um, word and break it into, and I'm not saying it's, I don't know if it works or not, but I just think there is a method to it. So do your kids have a specific place that, do they have a dedicated homework space as well as a dedicated homework time? My fourth grader does, and we made kind of a big deal. My second grader does not because sort of randomly, because this is just how it worked out, for when the summer before third grade, we went and got my then third grader, now fourth grader, a desk and a lamp and a bulletin board. And we set up his space and it was kind of like in third grade, you become a real student and here's your space that you work in. And it sits right in this nice window where he has a view. A fire on, in trees. <laughs> a fire when our house <laughs> explodes, which is fun. But... So we, my second grader does it at our dining room table. And then it's like in third grade, you get your big desk, which I just kind of like the idea of because second grade is just kind of like, okay, here's 15 minutes of homework. Here's a worksheet you can do. Dedicated space. I'm 100% down. My kids have space. dedicated spaces. All right. Now my, my ninth grader uses his dedicated space. My ninth grader like comes home from school and doesn't come out except to eat dinner. Uh, you know, like but your ninth grader is kind of the doobie of your family, Yes. Right? And he's drowning in homework because but we'll get to that but my my seventh grader um he he works in his room i have a dedicated space for him i have a nice lamp i have a um, bouncy ball chair and all this all this stuff to help him work better all these organizational systems and he is just the mad professor you know just papers everywhere he works on the floor in the dark lying on his stomach but he's in his room and that's his system. And I think at some point you, I give him, I offer him systems. He's not a systems kind of guy. And at some point you do have to back away and let them f figure it out on their own. Yeah. I mean, I don't have a problem with lying on the floor to do your homework, but I do have a problem with doing your homework at the dining room table while like people are flying paper airplanes into your yeah. head and so you're trying to cook dinner and listen to NPR and da, da, da. it's like, they should be in a quiet space by themselves. My, my, my daughter still do, wants to do, despite having a desk with a like furry chair from Restoration Hardware Teen and the, 
the color-coordinated you lamb. All. You did your part of this. She job. really wanted it all. Uh, and now, yes, she wants to do homework at the kitchen table. And I do think that there's a distractibility issue there. But there's also, she she wants... She wants company, and I and I. She wants somebody there, and so I don't like sit there and hold her hand while she does it. But I have my back turned making dinner, and then she'll come up. She'll say, "Is this okay? Come over and see." And I'm torn because I think she might work more efficiently on her own, but she's really resistant to it because she just has this sort of generalized anxiety. I tell you the bad around there being homework. My nine year old only does his homework at his desk, sharpened pencils, sitting up at his desk. But I sit in the room the whole time yeah. he does it. I sit in the room and read. I sit and bring something, but I do sit in the room. Ugh, that's so like you got to make dinner. You know, they have to like. <laughs> yeah, you got to make stuff dinner. to do. No, it's forty minutes. It's it's a problem. Often I will get him started on something and then be like, I got to go down and stir the dinner, and then I'll be back to check in on you. Hold on, I have a frog in my throat. Hold on, please cough break. <clears throat> ah. Now do I sound so much So much more, yeah. Uh, So yeah, I I sometimes come and go a little bit, but I do think sometimes a nine-year-old, they want the like safety. They want the company, yeah. Especially high anxiety kids who are like, I don't want to do, make a mistake on my own. The high anxiety, Rick, I'm not a weatherman. (laughs) She needs an audience for that. I tried to use a timer with her because, because... um, like you were saying about about your fourth grader, like well, this is how long we're going to work. She has to write in a, a journal once a week, right. and and I know that her teacher considers this like what a softball assignment, right? Write two pages on whatever. Two pages. It's a lot for a nine. Um, but it's like journals, I guess it is. But it's journal. It's sort of yeah. journal size pages. Yeah. Oh, I I mean I think it's probably it's probably two hundred words written out. Um, it's a lot. Well. You're on her side, I guess. And like, like, Maggie, this is this is only supposed to take you 15 minutes. What? And so, I'm like, I'm gonna set the timer for 15 minutes and just see how much you can get done in 15 minutes. And there was then that, there's just a whole new thing to be upset about. And I set the timer, and it kind of worked. You know, after after 15 minutes, I said, "Let's see, let's see how you're doing so far." Well, I'm not done, and she had a page and a half done. And I said, "Okay, well, that's great." But the um, I, it, there's sometimes a disconnect between what I think the teachers think are easy assignments and what the kids perceive as easy assignments. And so that's my ongoing well, struggle. I mean, kids just refract incoming information in such crazy directions, you know? And what is easy... One thing is, if we have three worksheets, my instinct always with my nine-year-old is, all right, you have a science, like read this Time Kids article and answer all these questions. Kind of hard. And then you have a put these words in alphabetical order sheet, easy. And then you have a math fact log that is just like two times 10. Like just do your math facts, easy. That's two minutes. My instinct is always do the hard one first and then work to easy. But my son's instinct is always do the easy ones first and leave the hard ones for us. And that's a battle I have stopped fighting. Right, because maybe- Like for me, it drives me crazy that you would save the hardest one to last, but- no harm, no foul. K- Why do KJ I has another cardinal rule of homework. Come on, KJ. It's not yours. The homework isn't yours. Mm. She says. This, those are wise yes. words. Those are I'm, big words. Listen I'm going to give people. you more. The homework is not yours. KJ says, let it stay undone. Let your child get frustrated. Endure the tantrum of the perfectionist who can't remember exactly what's been asked and has therefore put things off until it is too late to call anyone. It's not your homework, and you and your child should both know that. 
Yes. Agreed. I'm trying. I'm trying, KJ. I'm really trying. Yeah. <laughs> that's harder for you than it is for me. With the tears. It's definitely harder than you. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. But I, but I can't, I, I, so yes, I do in that moment have to choose. I can't, yeah, don't lean in in the anxiety. She's right. She says, always take a step back when your kid is like, I have a paper due tomorrow. And I don't even know. Like, take a step back. She, she tells a really good story. Do whatever you do, don't go on social media in a moment of panic in your house over the uh, history papers due tomorrow. And I don't even know what the assignment is. Be wary of the idea that this is somehow the teacher's fault and be very wary of putting that on social media. Can you believe these ridiculous assignments they give our kids? Because she tells the story herself of doing that to vent on social media and then having the teacher herself reach out to her via email like, you know, if you do have issues with the homework, let's talk about it next time in person. Oh, yeah, don't do that. Ouch. (laughs) Solid burn, teach. (laughs) Yeah, that's not good. So we know what not to do. This might be a kind of a good time to take a break, and then we can come back and talk about uh, making it everything easier. you should everything do you to should solve do all your problems yes, to make it better. The slog. We're gonna solve it as soon as we get back from this break. Of course, we're gonna have all the answers. So stay tuned, people. And now, homework hell for every age from the What Fresh Hell podcast. First grade reading. Sound it out. Sound it out. That's great. No, you can do it. Sound it. Oh, for God's sake. It's worm. Worm. Algebra. Okay, let's see. Determine the inequality of negative 2 is less than 3x plus 1 is less than 13. Sorry, kid. You're on your own. Spelling. Sure, honey. I'd love to turn off this episode of Real Housewives and listen to you spell engagement 19 times. All about my family poster. Ooh, let's see. So you said mommy's favorite thing to do is drink beer. Okay, new policy. You show everything to me before handing it in. Nonsensical holiday-themed project. Wait, you have to decorate a pumpkin to look like Theodore Roosevelt? That makes no sense. The essay. Okay, this was assigned last Thursday, and it is due tomorrow, and you were just telling me about it now? Word problems. If Caitlin has 27 crayons and James has 2.5 times fewer than Caitlin, then how many cra- Okay, wait, I can tell there's going to be crying. Let me grab a Kleenex before we get started. Science fair. Okay, family spring break is canceled this year. Instead, we are all going to be working full-time on this potato light bulb. Margaret, exciting news. I am about to have a new baby nephew, and believe it or not, this will be my 13th nephew. Amy, you're ready to give up your amateur status. You're a pro (laughs) aunt at this point. Our family has seen a lot of babies, and as soon as they start standing or walking, I send them all a whole lot of Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 don't have ordinary diaper tabs. Instead, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your newly mobile little one. Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof, crucial once your baby is quite literally up and at them. And that gap-free fit helps prevent your baby from taking off their diaper, a habit you do not want them to get into. 
into. You can say that again. And Pampers Cruisers 360 just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we even elaborate on the need for that, friends? For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, when you've got kids, as just about everybody listening to this right now does, you're probably looking at what they eat and seriously wondering how they could possibly be getting all of the vitamins and minerals they need to grow big and strong. That's why Haya was created, the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin for kids. Haya fills the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide the full-body nourishment our kids need. And yes, Even your picky eaters will approve. I know mine does. Formulated with the help of nutritional experts, Haya is pressed with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables. Then it's supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals to help support our kids' growing brains and bodies. And Haya vitamins are sent straight to your door, which means you set it and forget it and give yourself one less thing to worry about. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com slash fresh. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H, HayaHealth.com slash fresh to get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. So, Margaret, I've kind of mentioned to you in the past that sometimes my husband is a little challenged when it comes to gift giving. (laughs) I believe both of us have thrown our husbands under the bus for their gift giving abilities. My, I will say in defense of my husband, we've been married 10 years. The backpack was 10 years ago, and I'm not really letting it go, but backpack, pajama gram. We've had some bad Christmas morning. And, and, and what kind of works I've figured out over time is like, this is just the kind of thing I like. This is the kind of store I like, right? That he just wants to know, like, I can walk into this place or I can go to this website and it's all good. Like any, anything here is, is, is green light. Right. You know what I but mean? But you don't exactly want to be like, here's a link. No, that just feels mercenary so we, and depressing. We want it. We want an area <laughs> of acceptableness, which brings us to today's and, sponsor. Today's sponsor is Shebe Jewelry. And this jewelry really, for me, hits the, the sweet spot of it's, it's, elegant but it's also very everyday like right I can it's put wearable this stuff on with yeah very wearable like put it on with a t-shirt and jeans and i go to drop off and i look intentional oh i look like i love that word intentional 
<laughs> I so rarely look intentional. I look and I, I look um adult and bedridden most of my days. But I would like to raise my game to intentional. I I you know, I'd I'd like to think I'm sort of stylish and you know, kind of urban chic touch of boho and that all went out the window when I had kids in terms of planning outfits or anything. But but you can put on one of these necklaces or earrings or she has these really cool rings on Shebe. They're really cool. It's just cool stuff. And every time I wear it, people are like, I love your rings. I love your necklace. And they're not, you know, they're not cheap. It's not Claire's, but it's not um, crown jewels either. And it isn't like I'm only going to wear this once a year when I'm invited to a wedding. It's very it's very wearable, and I think you guys would like it. And we have a code for 15% off. Of course we do, because we are givers. It's code FRESH, because of course it is. So go to shebe.com. It's S-H-E-B-E-E.com. You can get 15% off with code FRESH. They've got necklaces, earrings, rings. You're going to look so, so chic. Shebe.com, guys. Go check it out and <laughs> tell them we sent you by using the code FRESH. Okay. Okay, guys, we're back. We're back. We're back. <laughs> I'm gonna. All right, are you ready for some? I, I'm. I'm. I'm ready. Well, I'm, I've got a question because this is. Let me move okay. on to my ninth grader. Because here's the issue. Mm, I'm sure. Yeah. You, All right, this may be harder for me. It's true for my ahead. seventh grader and really true for my. Well, it's actually true for both of them. You definitely get hit at at back to school night with the notion that you can't let your kids have phones in their rooms, you can't let your kids be distracted by the internet while they're supposed to be working, that you need there needs to be a bright line because studies show, and which I would wholeheartedly get behind, except both of my older children have to do their homework in the cloud, on the computer, on the internet, in their room with the door closed, thereby undoing this whole idea that the, the internet is a dangerous thing that I can't let my kids have access to in their rooms by themselves. Well, do you have parental controls on stuff? No, and they have they they're they're on Google Docs. I mean, they they have to be. They're literally on Google. You can't you can't you can't stop them from using Google while they're using Google. Do I think my kids are are doing tons of things they shouldn't be doing? No, they have way too much homework. But it's just this sort of. Well, let me let me quote Rebecca Jackson from the Learning Habit because she just sort of distilled this issue. But we don't know she's Rebecca a, Jackson. She's a she's stranger. She's a psychologist. She knows. She says. The integration of technology and homework via online teaching tools and textbooks, which is true, most of my kids' textbooks are online too, that has further complicated the process as the line between educational and recreational media consumption is increasingly blurred. It's just, it's not good or bad, it just is, that it's something that, that, that parents of older kids have to deal with. Yeah, I mean, I think that's right, and I think that that's why we talked about this in the... Um, helping our helicoptering episode that the idea that like you go to college now and they give these speeches at the, you know, baccalaureate or the entrance or whatever it is, you must now let your kids fail. You must tether the reins and tether? untether the no. reins, <laughs> like release the reins and allow your kids to fly free. And I made the argument in that episode that, you don't start doing that the day you drop them off at college. Like if you haven't been practicing the skill of letting your kids do things on their own, fail since they were four, you're not going to start doing that when they're 18, when you drop them off at college. And I think the same point is true, that when you start teaching kids good study habits, when they're my kid's age, which is you take this time, you get it done, and then you can go on to the other things you want to do. You take this time, and then we talk a lot now because, and we've talked about this in the Screen Time episode, 
my kids love YouTube right now. They're all about YouTube and like these kids playing video games and unwrapping things. And I watch the TVs in the living room and basically we have some sort of like, it's like YouTube kids. It's supposed to filter stuff. Yeah, not really. Crazy right. stuff that gets through. And my thing with my kids is you are not allowed to watch inappropriate things on the internet or on the television set. And so you start imparting that responsibility to your kids when they're little. Like, this isn't going to be me running your homework. This isn't going to be me making sure you get this done. This isn't going to be me making sure you're not watching inappropriate stuff on TV. At a certain point, like, we're all heading in this arc where you have to start figuring out limits for yourself. Well, that's just it. Because it's like being an adult. Like, I, I mean, I'm the same way. Practice what you preach. Like, I'm sitting here. I'm supposed to be getting an article done, and I'm on Facebook, and then I end up, like, messing around on the internet all day, and oops. That's just the problem. You can, you, you're sitting at your laptop, and you're clicking, and you're moving, and so that feels productive, but you're not actually, <laughs> you're not actually doing things if you're just done. answering the first email. So you're right. It's exactly, it's exactly us, and we can model behavior, and I do all kinds of tricks to shut down the internet. I use something called self-control, which allows you, because you need access to the internet sometimes while you're working, just not Facebook or Twitter or whatever your sort of bugaboos are. Um, so I use this thing called self-control that you can add any sites to that you want, and it won't let you use just those sites for whatever amount of time you set. And and you can't you can't restart the computer, like there's no way around it once you turn it on. And I don't think I'd get <laughs> anything done without it. So you're right, I guess the, the you model those tools for the kids, you, you talk about it. There's a there's an assistant professor of psychology at UT Austin. Uh, her name is Erica Patal and she studies motivation. And she says, and you know, regarding this, she says this, she says this is about getting the phone out of the kids' rooms, which I guess I'm trying to argue you can't get the phone out of the room they need it for their homework, but but you tell them that the more time they spend doing other things while they're doing the homework, the longer the homework takes. So it's better to do the homework and then go on Snapchat. Well, right now for me that's Legos. I mean, it's that there are Legos on my kid's desk. And I went back and forth with like, we're going to ban Legos from the desk. Blah, blah. But it is a very similar vibe. And I'm not trying to compare it with like a ninth grader doing advanced homework. But sit at your desk. There are Legos in your room. But right now you're at your desk working. So get your sheet done. Then take a play break with your Legos. Then get a sheet done. Then, And just starting to craft some sensibility about how to get well, what's stuff so, but done. what's so tricky is you can, I, I can tell the difference between playing with Legos. I can tell the difference between playing with Legos and doing a math worksheet. That's clear to me. I can't kid myself. Yeah. Right. But that's, that's just what's so insidious about Facebook while you're supposed to be working is you're still sitting at your desk. You still got your, your laptop open. You're still in the same space. It's, it's just, it's slippery. So anyway, it's a big, it's a big problem, yeah, but it's just something I'm yeah. struggling with is because my, my, my son, they, they told us to be ready for him to have three hours of homework a night as a freshman, and it's more like five. And it's because, I don't think it's because he's wasting time. Oh, he's not wasting time. For in his case, it's more that he, like his, his, um, his like history notes are so neat, you could just publish them as a PDF. <laughs> his, his pace of play is a little bit slow and meticulous, and uh, he's just going to mm -hmm. have to, to pick up the pace. And certainly not going on Snapchat is, is part of that, but also... Yeah, like he's a kid, and and he and he he's in his room doing homework from the time he gets home from school until bedtime with a short break for dinner.
I think the whole thing is these kids are doing, he's doing college level work in high school. Yeah. Times tables. When my, uh, my daughter learned her times tables in third grade. Oh, that's like, I, I get, a, I get heels dug in about that, that we might want to review them or just say them while we're driving around in the car. Nope, 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 nope. I did download a song called The Multiplication Song, and it's like, multiplication. I've talked about it already. We're I believe we have talked about that before on the show. One. one times two is two. And I'm like, wouldn't it be just great to just listen to this in the car, and then you would know your times tables? But they're like, ah, I want to listen to Rick Astley. Like, they just don't want to do it. Your kids want to listen to Rick Astley? Wait, did you know this? That I mean, divergent <laughs> point for a moment, but Rick Astley has made like a major comeback among the elementary school set. And there must have been a movie, like a animated movie that had um, "Never Gonna Give You Up" in it. But like every kid is into Rick Astley now in my kids' elementary school. So time is folding in on itself because we were just talking about the last time people liked Rick Astley was when I was, uh, you know, taking my bus to my job after sophomore year of high school. Yeah. So my kids are learning times tables and singing Rick Astley. But yeah, no, I, I think things have moved down. Everything's harder. I don't know. Why? I don't know. Does a ninth grader need to be learning Mandarin Chinese? I mean, I guess it's good. It, but well, it if just he wants to, he chose this, he chose this path. And, and, and from what I understand, he's going to be actually fluent in Mandarin Chinese when he graduates. He might be dead, but he'll be fluent right. in Mandarin it'll Chinese. Be, it'll be a, it'll be a win-win or a win-lose. Kind of. <laughs> so he'll be fluent in Mandarin. You could give the homily at his funeral in Mandarin Chinese. <laughs> it was all worth it. It was all he, worth it. When he exhausted himself to death. Yeah. All right. I have, I have a, so I have a sort of a question in support of this. So our kids have more homework. It's more sophisticated homework at a younger level that the seventh graders doing research papers, that kind of thing. Um, does your school have a website that yours, you can access all of their assignments that are due and not due and what grades they got and do you, theory, do you have access do, to that stuff? But I've never looked at it. <laughs> you, you suppose it exists. Well, I've been told it exists and <laughs> urged to visit it, but I have not. Yeah, same same thing with us. In fact, our school just ruled out rolled out a whole new system this fall, which is they were excited about, it, and all the parents were like, "Oh my god, I just just kind of figured out how to use the other one." So, on the one hand, we're supposed to be backing off, letting our kids be independent. On the other hand, we went to this curriculum night, and teacher after teacher was like, "And you, and, and I hope you will. I hope you're logging onto our website and seeing what we're studying in class and seeing this and this." And so, it's a strange sort of. I'm supposed to be letting him do it himself. But here's these, here's this tool we're giving you to oversee what he's supposed to be doing. And all the time, my, my seventh grader wants me to check his grades, to check if he is missing assignments, which in his case, he often does because he forgot to hand them in. So it's so, daily. so in the one like every day he doesn't hand in an assignment that goes on the website. Uh, it's, it's supposed to. I mean, I guess a little bit of the problem of it is some teachers are more consistent about it than others. But if there's an issue, if there's an issue with the missing assignment, or even if there's an issue with, um, you know, somebody talked a little bit too much in class today, it goes now on the website. And so I have to like click, 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 click around to find it. And it's just a hard Did thing about to too much the- in class goes on the website. Yes. <laughs> That's bonkers. You, you better log on. Who knows what you're not, okay. what you're not seeing. It's not my problem. That's a teacher's <laughs> problem. I mean, well, it is, it, it's a problem if it goes on his report card, you know, if it's, if yes, it's, if there's so. like, if there's a dis, if there's a discipline, oh gosh, I mean, oh, I just want like maybe, a caveman. I want to go back to like the good old days where like we gathered around a fire and we went to parent teacher conferences once a year and they were like, yeah, your kid's a little annoying, but you know, we're all getting by and I say fine and we leave. Yeah. I do not need no, a I, daily update on whether my kid's talking too much in class. 
Here's the problem is, is, is if you don't, if you don't stay on top of that, I mean, again, maybe I live in this special, insane world of, of New York City, but where our, our kids apply to high school, like they apply to college. And yeah. if there's, and if their report card, which are, I mean, our report cards were just sister Angelique wrote in cursive, right? right? Uh, your, your grade. It was just a little fill in the blank thing you got True. from, Amy I don't know, from an angel. school supplies company. They didn't write anything. You just, you just had a letter grade or yeah. that was it. This is, this is now paragraphs and paragraphs on your child's modalities of learning. And, and there will be stuff that can go on there and be on their permanent record. And I, you know, I yeah, yeah, don't yeah, like yeah. when things show up on the report card for the first time. So I now the like good this news plays is into all of your old Tracy Flickdom too. Yeah. Your, your need to like have everything go well is not being helped by having a website you can log on to seven times a week. Right. It's not, it's not. And so, and, and yet if I leave it behind, I'm actually not doing what the school wants me to do. So I have to sort of pay attention. It's, it's a little bit of a hard line to walk. There's a great article that went around for, I think it's Jen Hatmaker. It's called, what would my mom do? Drink tab and lock us outside. We'll have to put it on the website, but it talks about <laughs> the idea of like the amount of stress that's come into being a parent that nothing steals your joy away from parenting more than believing you're ter- doing a terrible job, like that constant anxiety about it. And then she writes about how her mom yes. never walked into her school. Like her mom didn't volunteer in her classroom. Her mom just had a separate life from her school life. And it's kind of this nostalgic. We look back, it was all better than kind of feel. But I truly believe you should not be involved in your kids' schooling on a day-to-day basis. And I don't know what to tell you because like they're offering you this website. And can you just say like, I'm going to opt out of that and start having a conversation with your kid, but he may not give you the information. Like it's, it's kind of difficult when they offer it to you because then it is like you're lapsing on your job by not participating in it. But I do think it's one of those things that you can just kind of say, hey, your relationship to your schoolwork and your success is on you. It's really not on me. Well, I will let you know how it goes, because just last night we got into a big fight or I I didn't fight. I You and your son. Yes. I stayed calm. I, I was on the receiving end of lots of invective because I was the messenger saying, you have three missing assignments in one subject. What are they? Where are they? How can how can I help you get this done? And it just was like, I hate you. You make everything harder. And so it's so clearly. So, so I mean, it's not your fault, but why are they involving you in this? I mean, um, I I guess guess you're involved in some ways, but it does just seem like. It's we've talked before about like using a timer, right? Like you have little kids and it's like, it's time to use the playground and like the duck timer goes off and it's like, sorry, the duck says it's time to go. And then the kids are like, all right, we can't fight with the duck. You know, like, whereas if you say, I'm just randomly saying it's time to go, they freak out. It seems kind of like the grown up version of that. Like suddenly you are representing all his frustration about school. Yeah, I I have to figure out a system. This is a system that's meant to support him. But me me being the messenger of here are the here are all the ways that you've fallen short, even no matter how empathetically I try to deliver that just becomes a battle between him and me. And it's not my homework. Isn't that the first cardinal rule of so, homework? So like my little one comes home with a plan. They're starting planners now in um, yeah. fourth grade. And he comes home with a planner. And every day I check the planner and I make a little list. And I'm like, one math worksheet, one spelling worksheet, whatever it is. And like, we make a little checklist and it's like, this is just what you have to do tonight. Is there a way to keep track of it that does not involve the website? 
Uh, there would be if he used his planner. <laughs> <laughs> Always a hole in the system. <laughs> but the second cardinal rule of homework is that what kids learn from homework isn't on the worksheet or apparently in the planner. Like he, he what my, what this child needs, he needs to create a system where he doesn't forget to hand things in and I can assist, but I can't be, I can't be the stop gap because then it all becomes my fault and it just, yeah. to and it does seem to me like that website is the, is a portal of doom. Like it's just not bringing anything good into your lives. It is, but then, then, you know, the alternative is, is, um, seize on the report card because he didn't hand in half of the work that he did. That's what's so frustrating yeah. about it. So, yeah. So, um, I'm, I'm on the path about this. I, I guess, you know what? I would love to hear from anybody who's had a system, had, had a kid like this and, and what systems you put in place. Cause I know there's a system. I will say something in defense of homework. Go ahead. Please do. And I think I talked about this on our earlier homework episode, but I do think one, it's not about the homework as we were talking about, like KJ says, but, I do think it can really, it is helpful for me. At first, I, I mean, I talk a lot about the homework. I was the crazy, like, we're opting out of this. No, thanks. Not doing homework. Thanks anyway. Like, I really, really don't support homework. But I do, I have found if you can keep it kind of low stress, not, you know, with little ones, just say like, oh, that's as much as we got to tonight. Okay. It has helped me identify areas where my kids are struggling. And that's the one thing that I like about homework. It gives me some information about their day that is actually useful. Like my kid is a great speller. He'll always be a good speller. He's got an insane memory. He can memorize anything. So spelling's not his problem. But he, I'm realizing now that he has never mastered some of the very underlying math facts. Like he'll get stymied by like 12 minus seven, you know? And that's going to be a problem as he keeps going. If he doesn't know 12 minus seven, as he's, he's kind of doomed. And that's always the kind of kid I was in math. Like once we got into higher math, I would always make a mistake somewhere as you worked it out down the page. And sometimes it was the really simple stuff that would hang me up, but I would still get it wrong. And so I ended up getting bad grades in math because I was kind of doing 90% of it correctly, but then I would make a small mistake in the smaller math down the page. There's a word for that, and it's it, it is that he doesn't just know twelve minus seven equals five. He has to stop and compute it every time. That's that's he needs to, he needs to get to the automatic sort of memorization place on things like that, and for whatever reason, right? But I do think that's kind of useful information to know. Like, okay, Absolutely. what can we do about that? Can we just in the car be like twelve minus seven is five, you know, and just do some number facts and try to reinforce that, or do flashcards or whatever it is. I think that's why we, in the end, it can't just be, well, you should just drink a tab and send them outside. What's the matter with you, mom, that you're, or, sure. that you're hovering and overthinking this because their homework's harder. There's more of it. More is expected of them and they, they do need some support. And, and so. And the, the fact is, is whether or not it's, not do it for them. whether or not it's against your will or not, you have been looped into the process. Like you are a part of the process especially with your kids and the website and all that stuff. Like you can't just sort of opt out and be like, I throw it to the winds. Yeah. And so <laughs> it's just like, if you just drink tab, it's like your kid's really going to struggle and then that's going to become a bigger problem. Right. And so it's the trick is somehow figuring out how you can play a small, helpful advisory role, but you're not playing a teacher's role. Okay. So then that's our takeaway to keep to, to, to remember that it's, that it's not yours and you're there to support them. If you're, if your kid is doing homework at the kitchen table, you're present or you're playing candy crush or whatever it is that you're doing, but you're not, 
you're not uh, holding the pencil for them. I just put up a picture on Instagram, actually, of, of my daughter doing homework at the kitchen table because I just knew it would make Margaret itchy. So if you go to Wet Fresh Hellcast, it's there. She's wearing a, a wig at the same time because because why not? But in the because that's how we roll. Also say do what works for your kid. I mean, my distractible guy, if he's at the kitchen table, it's just like, what's that? What are we having for dinner? Hey, can I have a cookie? Like, I just know. And, and, and I have other, you know, my, my second grader does it at the dining room table because he doesn't have a desk yet. But I think there's something about starting that habit early and being like, okay, it's time to go to your space and do your work. And to respond, at least with my kids, because I have kids who are agitated about their homework for different reasons. One thinks that she can't do it when she totally can. One has much more homework than he can handle, which is true. And one is is blaming me for the uh, the last step not being completed. And there's a lot of agitation that I have to meet with with calm, deep breaths because that agitation, that struggle, some of that. I wish I wish there was zero of it. But our job is not to prevent every bit of struggle for our kids and every bit of frustration. And the that's probably part of the learning that goes with the homework. We've talked about this and it's a big picture issue, but I think it's important with a lot of things. Like we talk about it with screen time. There are spaces and times that are completely screen free, like as much as you can take the debate out of it. And that's why I like the whiteboard and it's time for homework. And this is the space you do your homework in and you sit here until it's done. Like you're not reinventing the homework wheel every single night. It's not a fresh debate every single night. And we have that a lot with screens at our house. It's like, well, screens are from three to three forty-five. And then after everything's done, you're done with the bath. You can have screens until bed. That's how screens work in our house. So I guess that's what you have to do. You have to put these systems in place that are consistent and they're comforting in their consistency and you're present, but you're not driving those systems because the systems just exist now. And then you let them struggle a little bit, but not too much. Yeah. And that's how you do it. And back slowly away. All right. Or run fastly <laughs> away. Either one. Just scream and run away. Yeah, it's all fine. Come on, we solved it, guys. That's all right, homework. we solved it. That's it. We did it. We I did it once again. We're complaining about homework, people, because it's <laughs> solved. Put a check next to the box. We want to know, even though it isn't yours, how the homework slog goes down at your house. And you can tell us in a couple of ways. Uh, you can visit us on Facebook. Our Facebook page is What Fresh Hellcast. Or you can find us on Twitter at WFH Podcast. Did or on Instagram. Right? Yeah, you got it right. Oh, that was good. First time. First time. You got, I want a shout out. That's the first time. First time. And and, it, and it's an auspicious time for you to be getting that right, because this is also our year anniversary. Oh, Happy right. first Happy anniversary. anniversary, Amy. To, thank you. Thank you, Margaret. You too. This has been a really fun year. I've learned a lot from doing this. <laughs> I know. I'm really it's been excited really fun. about it. And we want to keep spreading the word about the podcast. And so we want you to give us a review because that's the way that other people find the podcast. It's been a year now. You've been listening. You've been enjoying it. Time to tell a friend. Yeah. Time to tell a friend. You can go and you can do an Apple podcast review and there's easy instructions on our website, whatfreshellpodcast.com. And you can and also you check there for our um, links to the things we discussed on today's yes, podcast. Yes. Yes. Tell a friend. Uh, that's probably the easiest thing to do is just like say, hey, do you listen to podcasts? You should listen to this one. It's really funny. And if your friend says, oh, what is a podcast? I don't really get those. You show them how the app is on their phone already. And it's so easy. Or if you're like me, you download the app on their phone and then you subscribe to the podcast. For them. <laughs> I've done that a lot with my older relatives. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, oh, can I see your phone for a second? And then I just subscribe them. <laughs> if you really love us, you might do that. Yeah. I mean, I love us. That's why I do it. 
Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll uh, talk to you next time. See you next time, guys. Thanks. comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.